Hey, did you hear about that mom who broke her daughter out of quarantine? Okay. So they're in Honolulu and her daughter was sick. The girl was supposed to stay in the hospital, but her mom was not having it. She rented a car, went to the hospital, and hid her daughter under a blanket. The police found out and chased them across the island. The mother and daughter get a couple miles out of town before they're finally stopped and ordered to turn around. The cops send the daughter back to the hospital and they put the mom in quarantine because now she might have the virus. But here's the twist. The officer that chased them, he wasn't in a patrol car. He was riding a horse. And the daughter wasn't sick with coronavirus. It was 1881, and Honolulu was in the middle of a smallpox epidemic. You're listening to Offshore, stories from Hawaii. I'm Ku'u Ka'uanoe. Hawaii's history with disease is an infamous one. As contact between Hawaii and the rest of the world increased in the 19th century, outbreaks of influenza, measles, whooping cough, smallpox, and so many other diseases swept through the islands in waves, devastating the native Hawaiian population. During these tumultuous times, Hawaii was a sovereign nation, and its leaders made innovations in public health that were pretty progressive. They also enacted laws and regulations to help control the spread of disease that are still in place today. But they also faced some familiar challenges. Citizens breaking quarantine, government workers enforcing rules for sanitation and safety, hospitals isolating the sick. It sounds a lot like what we're experiencing in 2020 with the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, Some Hawaii residents are looking to the past to try and not only make sense of the present, but also get through it. So let me just get this recording started. Are you in school? It looks like you're in a classroom. I am. We've actually started our distance learning. Kaleo Lani Hanohano is a high school history teacher. We spoke with her over Zoom in August. Having no students in the classroom has been quite an interesting concept, to say the least. When news of the novel coronavirus first started making the rounds in March, Hanohano was faced with the challenge of keeping her students safe. She wondered how to even talk about the pandemic in her classroom, especially when top government leaders struggled to do the same with the general public. The president announced that guidance from the CDC advising the use of non-medical cloth-based face coverings, but he repeatedly called it voluntary. There's been some debate as to whether or not we should be wearing masks in public. The number of cases in Hawaii on the rise, officials have been encouraging social distancing, but some people aren't complying. Hanohano was disappointed in the lack of resources available for teachers to help their students understand what's happening in the world right now. So she and her colleagues worked with university professor Dr. Pauline Chin to create a classroom curriculum that would look at COVID-19 through the lens of science, culture, and history. One day, her professor forwards her the story of Princess Liliuokalani. It was a story about another outbreak. And although it took place in the 1880s, the parallels were striking. 
Like COVID-19, smallpox is an infectious disease that spreads through respiratory droplets. It's incurable, highly contagious, and sometimes fatal. At the time, King David Kalakaua was away, and his sister Liliuokalani served as regent, the acting ruler in his absence. In the midst of an outbreak, it was a heavy responsibility. You know, she had to make some really important decisions, not knowing whether or not they were going to be received by the public well. With the health and lives of her people at stake, would she make the right decisions? And would the public listen? The king's send-off was extravagant. The Hawaii ruler was known as the Merry Monarch after all, so fanfare on the day he embarked on his world tour was expected. A cheering crowd gathered in Honolulu Harbor on January 20, 1881, to bid King David Kalakaua farewell and safe travels. Before the king left, he appointed his sister, Princess Liliuokalani, as regent to rule in his place. The two had spoken just a few days before his departure. He told her that the trip would be a good way for the Hawaiian kingdom to build international relations and work out labor negotiations. That it would be an opportunity for him to learn from other rulers. At his Bon Voyage party, he gushed over his sister telling his council members, closest friends, and other royals in attendance that he was confident she'd serve her people well. The king's trip would be an opportunity for Liliuokalani to gain experience in governing. And besides, he would be away for less than a year. What could happen in a year? Just a few days after King Kalakaua's departure, a ship arrived in Honolulu Harbor carrying Chinese laborers sick with smallpox. When news of the sick passengers reached the government, they knew they had to act fast. The last smallpox outbreak to hit Hawaii was just 30 years prior and killed almost 7,000 people, about 10% of the native Hawaiian population at the time. Liliuokalani knew that native Hawaiians were particularly at risk because they had no natural immunity to foreign diseases. The native Hawaiian population was less than a quarter of what it was when British explorer Captain James Cook first landed on Hawaii's shores in 1778. The loss of so many lives weighed heavily on Liliuokalani's mind. Our past experience with the disease had shown us how fatal it might become to the Hawaiian people, she wrote. And whatever the inconveniences, it became necessary at all hazards to prevent its spread. She quickly moved to contain the smallpox outbreak. Summoning her cabinet, they shut down the island of Oahu. Inter-island travel stopped, ships were prohibited from taking on new passengers, and a strict quarantine of those infected or suspected of being infected was put into place. And while those restrictions are similar to the ones we have now in 2020, in 1881, the government took it a step further and posted guards across the island and even in front of the homes of those that were in quarantine. 
It was really she, the Board of Health at the time, and her husband, who was governor of Oahu at the time. The three of them issued the requirements of quarantine. That's Hardy Spoer, former executive director of Papaola Lokahi, a nonprofit focusing on Native Hawaiian health. Among the requirements were to isolate the sick and to keep, keep cleanliness. cleanliness. Now, I'm not sure what that meant, but we transcribed that as wash your hands. Still, the number of cases climbed. Local newspapers printed the names of the sick and the deceased. This would have been a tough time for any leader. In a heartfelt letter, Liliuokalani expressed her sympathy to afflicted patients being treated at a hospital in Honolulu. The letter was read aloud to the patients. My friends, I send you the expression of my warm love and deep commiseration in your affliction. You who are sufferers from the epidemic, which has of late caused, and still continues to cause, so much anxiety in our community. However, the order to shut down Oahu and enforce quarantine was not a popular one. Just a few days after Liliuokalani enforced quarantine, a story appeared in the newspaper. The story of a mother and daughter trying to escape from a hospital. Many residents were upset about being separated from their sick loved ones. It also angered a lot of business leaders, particularly sugar growers who relied on imported labor. All of these businesses, all of these people now, um, you are wrecking our business, our shipping industry, um, the sugar industry, and you're also um, hampering the lifestyles of many. That's high school teacher Kaleo Lani Hanohano again, and she points out that Liliuokalani had to make these decisions without the approval of King Kalakaua. For all she knew, even her brother might have not agreed with her. There was no internet, there was no telephone. Despite the pushback and criticism Liliuokalani received from the public, her efforts proved effective. When the quarantine was lifted five months later, about 300 people died on Oahu, a marked difference from the thousands that died from the last smallpox outbreak. And unlike previous outbreaks, the swift and early action prevented the virus from spreading to other islands. I know she knew she was going to have a bullseye on her head, and she did it anyway. And that's the part right there. She had to just go in her gut, and she had to go in her heart, and she had to go with her love for her people and, and this place we call Hawaii, which many of us can totally identify with. Princess Liliuokalani was able to act so swiftly on the smallpox outbreak because Hawaii's history with foreign disease had primed its leaders to make public health a top priority. In 1850, 30 years before Liliuokalani served as regent, Hawaii's monarchy had established a board of health. The board was responsible for collecting data, mandating vaccinations, and even issuing medical licenses. Hawaii's BOH was the first of its kind. The United States wouldn't establish anything comparable for at least another decade. Nine years later, Hawaiian rulers used their own money to establish Queen's Hospital. The center offered free health care to poor and disabled Hawaiians. And in 1868, Kamehameha V created Papaola Hawaii, which specialized in licensing kahuna la'au lapa'au, traditional Hawaiian healers. King David Kalakaua was known to have kahuna and Western physicians in his inner circle. 
So Princess Liliuokalani had science and history on her side. Kaleolani Hanohano hopes that in learning about leaders like Liliuokalani, her students can take away lessons about decision-making and responsibility. But her COVID curriculum doesn't end there. In one project, her students illustrate their mo'oku auhau, or genealogies, but must also indicate who in their family are essential workers, their grandparents, and anyone who may be most at risk. In this way, the mo'oku auhau are also ohana bubbles, family bubbles in the time of COVID. She even teaches social distancing as a kapu, or ceremony. In Hawaiian tradition, being under kapu often means something is taboo or forbidden. But Hanohano explains that a kapu can also be protective. It's a beautiful thing to be in kapu because you're regulating your ceremony and you're observing the ceremony of something else. Framing social distancing like this has really connected with her students. They understand that kapu means I'm in ceremony. What's the ceremony? Protect my body from what? This new thing called coronavirus. Liliu Kalani, she reminds us, did the same when she mandated quarantine in 1881. Our queen, in doing that, was trying to send a message of social distancing. She put us all on kapu. Hano Hano and her colleagues aren't the only ones looking to lessons of the past. Welcome everybody um, today. I'm Hano Okalahai and I am a Kumuhula. And I'm joined here on the screen by my fellow Kumuhula. Mehana Okala Hind is a part of a group of over two dozen Kumuhula hula teachers who have come together for a very special reason. Like Liliu Okalani, the Kumuhula are enacting a kapu to help their community get through COVID-19. Hind works as the Director of Community Engagement at the Office of Hawaiian Affairs. When she saw the dramatic rise in COVID-19 cases in July, she wanted to take action. I leaned on my cultural side and said, what would hula people do? As part of the kapu, the kumuhula encouraged their students to focus on eating healthy, thinking of the well-being of others, and being mindful of their impact on the environment. They also include more COVID-specific practices, like wearing a mask and staying at home. The kapu was only in place for 30 days and ended in September. But the Kumuhula said it helps students adapt to healthy habits that they can use every day. This is kind of a challenge to everyone, right? For all of you cultural practitioners out there, look to your cultural practice. What is the practice, the part of your practice, that very uniquely Hawaii practice that will allow your haumana, your po'ai, to not only survive through this, but thrive through this. You've been listening to Offshore, stories from Hawaii. When the pandemic arrived in Hawaii, health officials were concerned that it would disproportionately impact Native Hawaiians. According to data released by the Hawaii Department of Health in October, Native Hawaiians, who make up about 20% of Hawaii's population, account for 15% of the coronavirus cases. And while a lot of the data about why that is the case is still missing, People like Hanohano and Hind say it's important for individuals to step up in their own way, to lean on their own practices and traditions to help their communities. It is time that we look to our culture 
for the response and the solutions that we need. Offshore is produced by Honolulu Civil Beat, a nonprofit news organization dedicated to building an engaged community with news you can trust. The Offshore team is April Estrelon, Claire Caulfield, and me, Ku'u Ka'uanoe. Our editor is Jessica Terrell, and our executive producer is Patty Epler. You can find more episodes of Offshore at offshorepodcast.org. Thanks for listening.